Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. And for those of you who don't know what Sisu is, uh, Sisu is where real estate transacts online. And we're focused on streamlining the real estate home buying and selling process, uh, primarily focused on working with real estate businesses and then allowing everyone involved in the transaction to collaborate. So the mortgage and title and those types of companies. So anyway, today we have a special guest with us here, Kevin Kaufman out of Scottsdale, Arizona. And I love this. I I read his uh, LinkedIn today and it said, uh, Kevin is a podcast host and an entertainer. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. You're the guy, you're the uh, one that read my bio on LinkedIn. I love it. Can you believe that? You know, his podcast is the Kevin and Fred show and anyone in real estate probably is familiar with that. It's part of the uh, industry syndicate. And uh, we will talk a little bit more about that probably today, but I think real estate falls in there somewhere as well. Uh, yeah. he, he came into the real estate industry in 2007, uh, He's built a, a team called 4610 that is in five states and just uh, one of the top real trends teams. He also used to own a KW Market Center and he sold that and went to EXP. So I want to hear a little bit more about that, but he's actually in five states and I that's uh, amazing and not an easy task to do. I've seen a lot of people try to build these remote businesses or market centers or whatever you want to call it, and uh, it can be a challenge. So. In addition to that, geez, Kevin has a Next Level Agents Facebook group that has over 26,000 members. So just, Kevin, you've got a lot going on. How do you manage all this? Oh, I don't. It's a mess. It's always a mess, Brian. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. What did I miss there? I mean... Oh, gosh. No, I don't know. Please don't. Because I, I get sick every time I hear someone read a bio or or just even highlights from it. Um I sell real estate, man. We truthfully, we first and foremost, we sell real estate. I'm based in Tempe. I'm sitting in Tempe, Arizona today. It's where my office is. I live in Scottsdale, but it's, you know, it's Phoenix. It's the Phoenix metro area. It's such a big yeah. spread out area. My business partner and I have been working together since February of 08. Uh, we decided to, to t- kind of team up. I think I'd been in the business for about six or seven months at that point. And uh, we started working together doing short sales. And one thing led to another. Next thing I know, we had kind of had a business and it was growing and kind of became this big giant thing. And all these other little fun things that you just talked about, kind of my my tongue in cheek there with uh, on my LinkedIn profile about being a podcast host and entertainer, all those things sort of kind of went, went from there. So no <laughs> doubt we sell real estate first and foremost, but we also have a, have a good time giving back and not just teaching, but also learning from other people in the industry. I love that you put that in your bio. If you ever want some entertainment, go read all the bios on our website because Frank is just like you and he wants to put <laughs> random things in there. So <laughs> we, we like to see if anybody ever reads it. So uh, entertainer, that was just because you're famous for Fred and Kevin's show or, you know, or, so or is that for the Facebook group or where did that come from? I think, well, so the, 
part of it is I had somebody ask us a guy who works for Open Door, uh, which is one of the big iBuyer companies. Yeah. Like, asked me one day, he goes, What exactly do you do? It's like, well, you know, it's kind of like so it kind of became a joke, right? But the reality is, is we started, Fred and I started teaching classes on short sales back in 08 when nobody else was kind of nobody, nobody knew what was going on with short sales. And, and so we started getting, sort of getting out in front of people and sharing what we did know and what we were having success with and, and even what we were failing at. And that later evolved into started a video blog and I'll never forget. It was November of 2009 because Gary Vaynerchuk's book crush it had just come out and we read it and we started a video blog, like wouldn't bought a Kodak ZI8 camera that's sitting in the desk right over my shoulder uh, that night. And started filming videos. And we had a blog called Short Sale Power Hour. And we're fairly tongue in cheek. You can't really take us too seriously. We're, we're serious about the way we go about our business. And yet we also wear shorts and flip flops. And I wear a black t shirt. You mentioned Frank. Him and I showed up to a Zoom the other day, like literally dressed as the other person, just without even knowing it. Like exact same like thing. Like you and I are today. Yeah. Black hat, black glasses, black t-shirt, hoodie, you name it, like the, the whole nine. And so we're just kind of, you know, who we are and, and have, have, have embraced that, you know, over the years. And it's kind of just, it's who we are. We're not, we're not very good. Go with the grain people. We're not, we don't play politics very well. We, don't, we just don't do things like that very well. And we've, we've just embraced that. And so I think that's kind of where that came from. I, I don't know why I was, I hate talking about myself. I hate talking bio and someone else filling that out one day. I just was like, I don't know. I guess I try to entertain people from time to time. Love it. So it seems to me you're like way ahead of the curve. Like you had Gary V get you start. You went out and bought that camera in 08. Is that right? It was November of 09. Yeah. So who else was doing video in 09? Not very many people. No, probably not. Not that many. Not especially not compared to now. I mean, truthfully, even now, not that many people are doing it. Sometimes it feels like everyone's doing it because of the industry and the people that probably you and I are both around. Um, you have to, but the truth is even in, in the industry, there's not really that many people utilizing video and for sure in 09, even less. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I think it's really cool. You guys got started on that so early. So when did you guys actually start your, uh, podcast? About just, just over two years ago, uh, it was, I guess, a little more than two years ago, it was November of 2018. Yeah, that would have been 2018. Yeah, so okay. just a little more than two years ago, started decided to start a podcast. I'd always wanted to do a podcast, more of like a scratch my own itch. I really like to interview people. I, I like talking to smart people, learning how they're successful, learning what makes them tick. One of the things I love about this industry is how wildly different successful models are like, there's not one way to do things. Yeah. And a lot of us, especially if we join like a big company, like I was at Keller Williams for the first 11 years of my career. And it was, it was amazing. Like nine of those years were really amazing. And you know, but there was like the model people said it's part of the language. Like you gotta be on the model, like as if there's only one way of doing it. And that always rubbed me the wrong way because there's not one way to do things, especially in this industry. And so I've always been fascinated by the different ways people succeed. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of, I really just, uh, once I found out that you can record a podcast like this over zoom and scrape the audio from it, I was like, yeah, somebody on my staff told me that I said, really, you can just scrape the audio right off that video. Cause and again, I've been, doing, yeah, <laughs> I've been doing video since 2009. So I knew how to do that, but I could not conceptually wrap my head around how to podcast. Yeah. And so I thought I had to, 
go to this big studio and pay an engineer and all this stuff. I don't know. And so once I realized that, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I just started a podcast that day. I was like, I'm so who, who told you that? Like, how did you discover that you could scrape that and take all that content and do stuff with it? Well, so I've always used video. I've always used content and repurposed it. You know, I'll take one piece of content and use it on a Facebook page, upload it to YouTube, use it a clip of it on Instagram stories, things like that. So I've always, we've always created content for realtors and for consumers. I say always since November of 2009, we've created content one way or the other. And I started repurposing it. There's a, there's a marketing genius, uh, by the name of Dean Jackson. He calls it the Moo method, which is multiplied oral output. So if you're going to record yeah. one piece of content, like what else can you do with that one single piece? And I'm I'm not kidding, Brian. It was literally a conversation I just had with a member on my staff who helped on the operation side just with random things. And she said, you know, if you just give me that video that you did, I could just take the audio off of that and put it on a podcast for you. So, yeah. Really? So, so you're about a year ahead of where I am and you know, you have a different type of business than I do, but I'd love to hear like what benefits for our listeners, what benefits have you received from podcasting? Oh my gosh. It's like, it's, it's hard to even, I almost can't even start to quantify that. So I would go back to let's like, let's go back to November of 09 because even though that was a video that was, that was effectively a podcast in a way I was, we were putting out content regularly. Mm -hmm. So as a, okay, with my realtor hat on for a moment, like the simplest one that we can all relate to tons of referrals. I, I can't count the agent referrals and relationships that I've created around the country since, since started, since we've started putting out content. Um, and that was free and, you know, helpful, like hopefully helpful to some people. And so I think that's one of the more obvious ways that's it, where it's like easy to, to count and track is, is a ton of referrals, but I, I learned so much and I just get to know people. I'm, I'm a bit of a connector. Probably my one real skill in life is connecting people, understanding who's great at what, who does this and who does that and how I'm, you know, who's really the best at it and connecting people with each other. I'm like, I'm, I, I am actually I excel at that, I believe. And um, I think podcasting is is one way that I have now because I get to I get to normally roles are reversed. And I know luckily you and I get to reverse these roles here real soon. Get to find out what makes people tick, what makes them really smart. What do they know something about that maybe people don't even realize that they know about? Like that, mm -hmm. what is this person's genius, if you will? Mm -hmm. And I oftentimes, because I have a lot of conversations like that, just know where to connect the dots for other people. Yeah. That is such a great thing about this. Like just hearing from you about how you leverage your podcasting and what you're doing differently and how you started with video. It's like, you're just way ahead of the times. So I want to ask you a couple of some questions about a couple of the current things going on in, in the real estate world. Yeah, let's do it. First one is clubhouse. Are you on clubhouse? Tell me what's going on with that. I'm, I'm on it. I have an account. I've participated a couple of times I think what's going on is that there's people are number one, it's new. So people want to check it out and yeah. nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And so there's a little bit of that going on for it. I think the ease of use to be able to have access to other people's information is appealing to people. It's why podcasts have taken off the way that they have. It's why video has, it's just that, and this is just a new form of it. What it's funny, I found myself questioning it a couple of weeks ago because I'm I see a lot of the scheduled 
whatever you call those talks, or I'm not even sure the correct name for conversations, conversations. Yeah. And I'm like, they're podcast, like they're podcasting. But I was like, and the first thing I thought was like, man, I hope they're actually recording it so they can let this live somewhere else too. So there's like this thing of it's the exclusivity thing of you have to be there to hear it. And then I'm thinking for like the actual creators, I'm going, "Mm, I sure hope that they're recording this too for, you know, again, going back to the Dean Jackson Moo method of Mm -hmm. multiplied oral output. If you're going to take the time to to use the content or create the content, use it in multiple places. So I think that's what it is. I think for some people, this is their moment. Like I had with podcasting of like, oh, I could just use zoom and record a video and scrape the audio. I think they're going, oh, it's really easy to have this conversation where I don't have to use zoom or I don't have to use a conference line and it doesn't matter. You can come and go as you please. And it's just really it's just kind of a new thing. And I think it just allows people to have access to, to people and information they wouldn't otherwise have in a, in a form that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. You and I think so much alike. It's funny. I actually thought about doing our interview today on clubhouse. Oh, really? It, it would have been my first, uh, it would have been my first interview there, but why not? Right. Yeah. That, that, that's the, you know, that's the thing. And that's what, and when I, and then open it up to the last 15 minutes of Q and a for everybody. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an interesting thing. I haven't, I kind of just go in and browse every, you know, probably once or once a day or every other day. And I'll go, I'll go listen into a room. If there's someone speaking or there's a topic that's interesting to me, I'll go in there and listen for a little while. I haven't spent a ton of time there, but it's, I think it's an interesting thing. And my guess is it's here to stay. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's super powerful. I, I jumped into a room one night. Uh, I got invited on stage, just did a quick intro. They were talking about operations and streamlining your operations of a real estate company. You know, and I, I didn't try to sell anything. I was just, they asked a few questions about CSU, told me I couldn't sell. But then a bunch of our customers are on there talking about how they use CSU. And all of a sudden, we had like 24 leads come in that night. This is like at nine o'clock at night. So anyway, that's that's the power of something that's new though, of instead of sort of poo-pooing it, like every, you know, a year ago, if we were doing this, you would, you'd be asking me what's going on with TikTok instead of what's going on with uh, clubhouse. Right. And what I saw most people do goes, oh yeah, that's that app for kids and teenagers to sing and dance and, and all that fun stuff. Instead of going what's the early mover advantage? Cause there's a, mm-hmm. there's a distinct early mover advantage and it's really easy. You just gave a great example of it with, with what you experienced on clubhouse recently and, or go back to Gary V I've referenced him a few times, like where, you know, he's like, okay, maybe this platform, whatever it is, goes away one day. Maybe it's, maybe this is short lived, but if you can, and, go, and he's been on platforms that have gone away, right? He Absolutely. He has. Right. But if you can go learn to create content in that fashion, where can you go use that skill somewhere else? And, and for, for any business owner, um, being able to create your own media and content can be a very powerful tool. And so there's no harm in it unless you, you know, you find out it's using you versus you using it. But outside of that, I mean, there's, you know, so many people turn their nose up at, they did it at Facebook, they did it at Twitter, they did it at Instagram and in so on and so forth. And now it's clubhouse. But yep. last year was TikTok, and there's probably lessons in all of those to to find that we can use. I mean, for me, it's what value, and I'm a little bit different than you because my customers are different than you, 
in a in a way to an extent i guess they're the same in some we, some aspects yeah they're not they're but, not all that different yeah yeah but i'm sure you've found this and and i've found this that just bringing value to the industry there's value in bringing value to the industry yep so yeah, that that was it that's a big that's a great way to put it and i feel like every relationship i have so many of the amazing things that have happened to me in this industry happened because of somebody I met at a time I was doing that, whether it was most of it go, really goes back to my early short sale days when we were just freely giving away how to close short sales at a high level with the, you know, without chart, we didn't even charge people for it until we started traveling to do it. And we still didn't sell it for nearly enough money, but we just gave it away and it opened up so many doors and put us in so many relationships that, you know, I can think back to so many things that have come from that. And this is just the new iteration of that. Yeah. So you brought up TikTok. Are you on TikTok? No, I deleted it from my phone because I realized I wasn't going to actually start. I wasn't, I wasn't going to spend the time to create like that anymore. And so I, I took it off. So that way I, it wasn't a distraction. I like, I'm the guy that loves social media and last September deleted Facebook and Twitter from my phone. I have Instagram left basically for the messaging and I use Facebook messenger as like, it's another text, right? Cause part of what my business is, is communicating with other agents like you do and communicating with people that are in my sphere of influence, our client, our consumers that we also interact with. And so I've really weaned myself off of social media a bit. Okay. However, I love, I love what's happening with TikTok. It's great. I just, yeah. I just realized that I wasn't going to ever use it the way I could. I, I have a son that became TikTok famous last May and he's actually in LA now. He's, you know, just, he was 19 when he moved. He's now 20. And, you know, I had an interview with Tom Ferry on actually on my podcast and I asked him cause he's a ta He talks about Gary V a lot as you do. Yeah. Right. And I asked him, so Gary V has over 5 million followers on TikTok. Why are you not on there? And so, so anyway, I just think it's, it's interesting that, uh, you know, people choose to take advantage or not take advantage of certain platforms. And obviously you're weighing out, okay, is that really a marketplace that, that I can leverage? And I think it is elevating to where I think, I think the users of TikTok used to be younger, just like Instagram started young. Yep. And now it's elevating up to where, you know, you have guys my age on there doing all kinds of things, right? Yeah. For me, I realized that I wasn't going to do that. And so like I use Facebook very well. I know how to use it. I get, I extract a ton of value from it. And I just realized like, I'm not going to put in the time on TikTok like I, like I would need to in order to, to get some value out of it. And it wasn't going to be a part of my lane for currently. And so yeah. that was it. Okay. So other current news, Zillow buying showing time. Yeah. What a bold move. Tell me, I would love to get your perspective on this. I actually got to have a somewhat of an interview. It was a private conversation with Spencer Raskoff this week, founder of Zillow, but I'd love to love to hear your take on what does that mean to the industry? I don't, I don't think we know yet what it means. I think what it represents is that they've, they're very serious in their their move forward in their new model since you know since spencer's a super nice guy right I, I i was a zillow customer once for like six months but i met him one night at at an event we hit it off and 
like he, if you don't super like, nice guy, he, yeah. If you don't like Spencer, you're, you're probably a jerk. He's yeah. a, he's a nice guy. He's hard to not like. And we hit it off and, and we we're talking. I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. I think rich, his partner is very easy to not like. And I think that when they, when they made that move of Spencer stepping down and rich stepping back in as CEO, that was a, I think that was a time in history that that was a recorded time in history, in my opinion, where Zillow said, okay, we're not even going to pretend to be agent friendly anymore. We're a company that can benefit you as an agent. And it's also just part of what we do as a business. And we've got this other piece of our, of our mission now that looks like it's going to be where our future lies, right? in controlling the transaction and, and, and the consumer first. Yeah. So, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with that, by the way, I think that's them doing their business. I think as real estate agents, brokers, we're the ones that allow that to happen. And, and now we have to, we have to step up to the plate to answer the call that they have sent by giving more options to the consumer, which by the way, I think is a really good thing. But what does that particular transaction mean? I think it just means that they're serious and that they see value. They're, there's obviously a ton of value. It doesn't take a detective to realize there's a ton of value in having that showing service data in, in on top of layer on top of all the other data that they have with with what their plans are with controlling transactions. And and I don't say that like, oh, poor me as an agent. I just mean it's part of their bigger plan. And to me, it seemed like a very shrewd and good business decision. Mm-hmm. We'll see yeah, if I mean, the price was right or not. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I don't think anyone knows, but you know, if you can pay 500 million and it's going to create billions for your business, the price is right. Yep. Right. It doesn't matter Absolutely. what that company was actually worth. Yeah. Oh, I mean, totally. If you look at the Instagram acquisition that uh, Facebook did, it was, they got it people were like, Oh, a billion dollars. Now people are like, Oh, because you did that. You're now, you have a hundred billion dollars more. Right. Yeah. At the time it was like, what they paid a billion dollars for Instagram. And now it's like, that's, that's yeah. not that much money. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting. What will, what will happen with this? Is it all about the data? And I think there's so many people talking about that, but I think it's about so much more. If you read uh, Inman and see Rich's comments about, you know, they, they are becoming a part of the transaction process and they have always been consumer or client focused. So, I mean, this is all speculation on my part, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they actually allow the consumer to schedule their own showing and have one of their agents or one of their premier agents or one of their flex agents show up and, and do the showing, you know? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Totally. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see anything like that. You know, I think the people talk about the data because, because people are talking about the data. Like they don't, like there's so many people in our industry, it's just like they're just regurgitating things that they don't actually know anything about. And yeah, it's, there's no doubt it was about the data. It's about the service and the data that that company provides. But the reality is, is again, it's, if it's good for consumers, Hey, here's, here's kind of the way I look at it as an, as a real estate agent, as an, in the industry, we allowed an outsider to come in and provide something new to the consumers that they very clearly have said that they want. And before we did. And so now we have to up our game if we're going to stay in business. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, Here's the thing. Everybody comes in and disrupts this industry. 
And at one point you were at KW and KW disrupted this industry. They came in with a different model that had caps and they were a training company that taught people how to build a real estate team. That didn't exist, right? Yeah. And then Compass comes in and then, you know, Redfin, then Compass and then, you know, and Zillow, of course, and Trulia and Realtor.com. And so, so I think, you know, they talk about becoming a part of the transaction and obviously Realtor.com did this years ago at this point by buying up city. And now you have Zillow really trying to become a part of the transaction. And in my opinion, those two companies become the two largest real estate companies in the world uh, very, very quickly just by sending referrals out. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like if you really, first of all, I'm a firm believer that Zillow has the number one consumer brand in our, in our industry. Like there, it's, it's just without kind of, a doubt. There's no doubt about it, right? Um, if you are on vacation, I don't care even if you're in real estate. If you're on vacation on the beach and you want to know how much that $20 million home is that you're looking at, you go to Zillow. Yeah. Saturday Night Live is not doing a skit about Keller Williams Realty or EXP or Century 21. No. Like they're, you know, is that's not how it works. So there's, so yeah, yeah no doubt they, they've built that, they've earned it. And there, there's always disruptors. There's always changes. I think that we just have to, we all have to adapt. Like you have to get better or you or you go away. That's just the, the way it works. That, that is yeah. the way it works. There was a time when Remax was the disruptor. Yeah. There was a time when Keller Williams was the disruptor and neither one of those companies look like a disruptor these days. And exactly. it's just, so, it's just changed. So that being said, I want to, I want to talk about a new company like that, that is a disruptor and you happen to be there, right? EXP. There was a time that I think this industry felt like Gary Keller was the king of this industry, right? But yeah. if you look at it today, who is the only CEO of a real estate national, they used to be franchise companies, company. in the case of yeah. EXP, it's a national company, right? National brand. And the only billionaire that I'm aware of is Glenn, right? I, last time I looked, I think he was worth, it was just over $2 billion now. So um, I would I would look at that, that he has had more success in this industry than Gary already, even though his agent count is substantially lower still. But I'd love, you are at EXP. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. You know, <laughs> the way you just pointed out, uh, the fact that Glenn's probably got more, you know, net worth at this point than Gary's is funny considering the way Gary kind of poo-pooed him for, and the entire company for the last five years. Well, why, um, why do you think he did that though? Um, hubris. I, I just, I like, I like. It's or, called threatened. <laughs> yeah, he felt threatened. I also feel like, so let me, let me give the disclaimer that I appreciate Gary Keller on a very high level. He mentored me for like 10 years. To totally um, agree. Gary is one of the brightest minds in real estate without a doubt. And I think that Gary's number one asset is his number one enemy too, which, which is probably true for everybody, which is he needs a fight. He, I've heard him say that to me multiple times. If I don't have a fight, I just go pick one. That's how he stays motivated. And really? I think that I've never, I've never heard those words out of his mouth, but you I've, spent more time around him. So I'm telling you, I've heard him say it like within inches of my face. It's who he is. It's that's his personality. He is, he needs to have a fight in order to stay to stay engaged. And he also needs to be, but the, I think his other problem though, is he also needs to be the smartest guy in the room. And that's, mm -hmm. that's dangerous 
when you have the level of success that he has and that he's built, it's easy for those around you who make their living off of, off of your enterprise to allow you to be the smartest guy in the room and to just play a political game around that. And I think yeah. that's, I think a lot of that has happened. Gary is still very intelligent. He recognized years ago that the franchise model, while he was obviously wildly successful, I firmly believe he wished he'd, he didn't have a franchise system and that he wished he had a company system. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've heard him say, if I could do it all over again, it wouldn't be Keller Williams realty international. It'd be Gary Keller real estate teams all over, you know, all over the country yeah. um, amongst other things. So I well, think they, a little they bit bought some of their teams back, didn't they? Oh yeah. 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 And that's been part of it. I'm going back to 2011 or 12, like he flat out, like, you know, they've bought their regions back. They've bought yeah. market centers back and it's been part of their plan for a really long time. Gary's very smart, obviously. That goes that goes without saying. I think also he allowed his his ego to get in the way, and he decided to talk bad about EXP and Glenn and other people there, rather than go, "What can I learn from these people? Like, what are they doing that I shouldn't be doing?" And and because he needs a fight, he decided to pick a fight with Zillow. He decided to pick a fight with the I buyers. He decided to pick a fight with the other technology companies. And, uh, and if any, he, he ended up saying things, it's like the old saying, like, listen, don't let your mouth write checks that you're, you know, that your ass can't cash. Like, and I think he's, that he's done that he's been, cause he's been proven wrong for the last, you know, four or five years now. And I think that he's, I, my hope is he's learned that he's realized that and he's hopefully getting back to his lane, but uh, I mean, I don't know. So it's it's interesting you say that. I've never heard um, anybody say that about Gary, that he has to be in a fight, but wants to pick a fight. But I think he's done that with EXP, clearly. And I would love to get your perception as to why he wanted to build this tech company. Jeez, Brian, you're going to get me in trouble. Um, you got to understand that. Like I've spent a lot of time around the guy in, in hey, like small, you know small I rooms. I love to learn from people like you. They've been so close to all of this. Um. I mean, he like he would always use the example of David versus Goliath. Like he needs that. He needs that, or he's needed that. And I've heard him say that in front of not just me, in front of hundred other people more than once. Why that is, I don't know. Some people, some people. Listen, I'm a, on a. I am not comparing myself to him, so let me be very clear here. But similar to him, I've got this chip that just resides on my shoulder of like, screw them. I'm going to prove them wrong. It's probably why I wear flip flops and a black t-shirt and you know, and just don't care about the rules of, of things. Like that's part of, that's the thing. And part of yeah, what I I've thought tried, that was just part of living on the West coast. Maybe, maybe it is. Um, like part of my thing that, that I've tried to do is like, maybe instead of being mad, like try to just be more effective. And obviously Gary's level of effective is significantly higher than almost anybody's on the planet. But I think that still his greatest strength became his, became his greatest weakness in the last couple of years. And I don't know. So I, I think that I think he just I'm not a political guy. I don't like politics. But even before we left KW, we just started kind of like secretly, not secretly, but going like, man, Gary's like really running a Donald Trump playbook here. Like he's making hardcore, making someone an enemy, vilifying even someone else. This case, it was Zillow and it was open door and offer pad and it was EXP and it was Commissions Inc. and Boomtown. I mean, made them the enemy and then drew the line and said, Hey, listen, you get, you're either with me or against me for everyone. Like you have to pick a side. And that worked for a little bit of time. Was that before or after you left? 
That was before. That was before you left. Yeah. Okay. But it was part of the reason I left because I'm like, it just didn't resonate. I'm like, this is not what I'm here for. I don't so want you. You've been at EXP how long now? Two, two and a half years. Two and a half years. A little, little okay. more than two and a half years. Yeah. So, so my, my whole take on that thing, and this is pure speculation. I mean, I think like a tech guy, right? So I'm thinking about IPOs and I'm thinking about stuff like that. But my personal opinion is Glenn came out and did it, you know, I don't know if it was a SPAC or reverse merger or how they went public back then. That was before the SPACs were the thing, right? Yeah, it was but, a reverse. Yep. Yeah. So, but he didn't go public the traditional way, but he knew he could build, he could build the value by having all of the agents buying stock every month. I mean, that's pretty much making a marketplace for that stock. And I think my personal opinion is Gary saw that and thought, I need to take this company public, but I can't take it public as a franchise, as a real estate franchise company. We need to be a tech company. Exactly like Compass, right? Compass is a real estate company, but Compass sells themselves as a tech company. As a tech company. And I, I think, I mean, he, it's one, I think it had to do with EXP. I also think it had to do with Compass. But again, that's just my opinion. I, I think that he's, I think he's very well positioned to do that at this point. I don't, th- this just my, and this is my opinion. You and I are both just speculating. Only Gary knows the truth. Only Gary knows the truth. Yeah. I don't think that was the grand plan from the beginning. I think it was about, I'm going to, I've got the biggest, baddest real estate company on the planet. And I'm going to keep having the biggest, baddest company, real estate company on the planet. And we're going to do that by, through tech. I think he, I think he bet on some wrong horses in his company and made some promises that clearly have not been fulfilled technology wise. And now no doubt they are positioned if they wanted to to, to spin off put the KWX and go public, right? No, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I will really or won't I, I don't know. Will, but we'll see. If I had to bet, I would probably bet yes. But understand I'm also the guy I've also heard him say a hundred, you know, hundred, maybe maybe more than a hundred times, we'll never go public. Like one of the things he likes to do is say these things so you believe it about anything that's the opposite, right? As an example, you'd always say refer to like the Realogy brands as, well, they're public. So they're beholden to the shareholders. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're not like, do are there corporate responsibilities? Yes. No doubt about it with public companies. And I know, cause I, I highly investigated going there. I spent a couple of days with their senior leadership at Realogy headquarters. Some really I've, amazing, I've been there many times as well. super smart people. Ryan Gorman is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And, and, oh. um, and so is his boss, Ryan, like both amazing guys. I spent two full days with Ryan Gorman. I really like that guy. And I, I have nothing but respect for him and a lot of his staff. And however, for the first like 10 years of my career, I was like, I always just assumed that they were doing it wrong. And what I realized is the other 90% of the industry doesn't all walk and talk and think the way Gary told me to think. So when he says things like we tried rev share, it doesn't work. The part that he's leaving out, it's brilliant for him to say that, but he's leaving out the fact that RevShare does work at KW. It's called KW Worldwide. They don't do profit share. They do RevShare. The other part that he's leaving out is RevShare doesn't work when there's brick and mortar and franchise fees and regional owners involved because all the money goes there. Mm -hmm. And so, 
but because he says Wait, that which from is stage, actually a form of rev share, just a different form. It, it, exactly. It is rev share differently. And, but he leaves that part out very strategically and ve- very intelligently. So, and so I think that he says things to set them up. So it's going to be hard for him to walk back the, I'm never going to go public and I'm never going to sell out. And I'm never going to be beholden to shareholders. If he does go that route, will he or won't he? I, I don't really know. He's out. He's very clearly has the ability to, if he, if he chooses. So. Yeah. So the other thing that uh, you said that uh, I think Gary has said to people is don't leave don't use a tech company, don't use Boomtown or don't use whomever, right? Commissions Inc., whatever. Sisu. Sisu. He didn't, I don't think he mentioned Sisu. We weren't really big enough at the time. That's the only reason why. Yeah. But I know his team, I mean, they've looked at, you know, integrating with us many times and have decided, oh, we're going to try to build that. So did you get the, uh, but, did you get the message said, from Josh that he could buy you, license you, or just copy you too? <laughs> or has he only said that to other two other tech company owners? Sorry. Yeah, indirectly. Uh, yeah. That's that's the message. So, yeah. you know, but here's the thing that's interesting to me. I think he told all because Spring was there at the time as well when he was telling people don't leave or don't use these other companies because they will own your data. But I think the reality is that actually probably scared more people than didn't scare because for people like Spring, she was thinking well, wait a minute. So KW wants to own my data so I can never leave. <laughs> I, I, that's what I said. I, listen, man, it was April of 2017. I'll never forget the day. He's he's going like this whole day. We're, we're there for this pirate mastermind in Austin. And he's like, he's got all the programmers in it, and they're like making it. They're like, we're in a fishbowl. And like, we'll just build it for you. Like, what do you love about Boomtown? We're like, we'll just rebuild. Bo- I'm like, I don't want you to. And I literally just finally raised my hand. I said, Gary, like, here's the deal, dude. You know that I love you. I have another respect for you. But when I came here, the deal was I pay you a certain amount of money every year and that it's my listing, my lead, and that you would never get between me and the consumer. And now you're telling me you're going to indeed absolutely get between me and the consumer. So number one, I don't like that. Number two, my problem here is with Boomtown at the time, I was a very happy Boomtown customer. I think the world of Greer and his team, I think they're amazing. And I said, when I have a problem with Boomtown right now, I pick the phone up and I call Greer or David or whoever. And I say, dude, I need this fixed. I need a fix now. And they fix it. I can't do that for you with you, Gary, if you're my tech provider, because you have a hundred of my escrows in your control and all of my independent contractors are your independent contractors and you have control of them too and where that money goes. And I refuse to get that wrapped up. I'd rather pay the bill to Boomtown every month and have the ability to get up and go when I want to, when I don't want to use the CRM or the whatever service provider we happen to be talking about. It was a, that was a, I mean, I had that conversation and it wasn't pleasant. I'll never forget that day. I mean, it was pleasant. That's a bold move that you would do that. I don't know many people that would say that to Gary. So uh, <laughs> I have, I have respect for that. Said a couple of bolder things uh, that were probably I shouldn't have, but yes, like, you know, the, but that, but uh, here's the guy, here's the deal, man. I just call it how I see it and there's nothing wrong. I'm okay being wrong. That's like, if he would have proved me wrong, I, I don't care. I would have been like, yeah, he was right. Damn. I mean, because like, trust me, I wish I would have moved to EXP earlier. Like, it's been amazing the last two and a half years. It's been amazing. And I, I think so highly of Glenn and the team that he's built. And when I think about what I thought I thought about them a year prior, 
I realize how wrong I am. So I wish I would have been, you know, I'm okay being wrong, but I'm going to call it how I see it. And I'm, I'm going to align with what I think is best for me and my business and the people that trust me with their business and, and our families. And I, I don't, I don't think, you know, KW wasn't home anymore. Yeah. Okay. So we only have a few minutes left. Uh, I wish I had more time. I know I have a hard stop. I know you have a hard stop yeah. in five minutes. So where do you see the industry going? Like, I know nobody knows, but yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, what's going to change over the next three to five years or even 12 months? I don't know. I what think this whole Zillow thing, let everybody know with them acquiring showing time, things are definitely changing. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I think that writing has been on the wall for anybody um, who's been engaged and paying attention. What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen the next 12 months outside of God, I wish there'd be some more homes for sale. This tight inventory is nuts. That said, where's it going to go? I, I don't know. My, my hunch has been, and, and it will be for some time until I see something different, that there'll be fewer real estate professionals in the United States. And you know, as the companies like Zillow and Open Door and OfferPad take more transactions out of the marketplace, that's probably going to mean the overall number of agents drop. But I think what's going to happen most importantly is the consumer is going to continue to have more and more options. And for those of us who are willing to step up and provide those options and provide solutions to consumers are going to be just fine. And we're going to have great businesses. We're going to still have the ability to have a great business. Outside of that, man, I, I don't know. What I do know is I, there's not going to be one piece of technology that's going to save me. And there's some amazing technology out there. And I got to be thinking consumer first. How can I provide for the consumer? And the, I think that's what all that's all I have to think about for the next three years uh, as we go. After that, man, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm I'm interested in finding out. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both. I'm very interested. Uh, I think one of the things you said is there's going to be fewer agents. I think that's starting right now. And here's why. Like it used to be, in my opinion, that if you were a really good agent, you had to be a listing agent. Yeah. And now if you want to sell homes and you're a buyer's agent, you need to be a really good agent. <laughs> like you need to be able to figure out how to win those offers, right? And if it's you're not hard. a great agent, you're not going to survive. And I don't see agents being able to just come in off the street now, walk in, be a buyer's agent and and be extremely successful. Yeah, it's hard. It's harder than ever for newer agents. We were just talking about this uh, earlier uh, with a couple of, of friends of mine, you know, just talking about the way I, the way things are having to change for newer agents and the things that, again, that we have to do is whether you own a team like myself and are at a, at another brokerage, or maybe you own your own brokerage, whatever your scenario is, you're going to have to, things are going to look different. You got to be okay with that. You got to be willing to do things differently than you've ever done. If you want to not just survive, but actually, you know, continue to grow. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the industry has been talking for forever about teams are the future. And then I, it was, no, it's going to be these indie brokerages. And, but I think the reality is if you're not with somebody, if you come into this industry as a new agent, you need to connect to somebody like yourself who's running a powerful team that can train you, that can build you up, that can give you leads, that can do all the things you're going to need to do to really succeed. Otherwise you won't be in this business in a year. Yeah. That's a fact. That really is, that really is true. All right. Well, I know we're out of time, Kevin, you know, I've got a list of questions here that I didn't ask you. So we might have to do a part two sometime because this just flowed, 
but I uh, really enjoyed getting to know you better, loved getting your insights. And I hope all of our listeners today, I hope you guys feel the same way. Just a, an honor and a privilege to have you on here with us today, Kevin. Thank you. Absolutely, so much. Brian. I'm, I'm glad we got the chance to do this. I'm looking forward to running it back. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.